Hello, today we are going to be talking about direct primary care. This is a new way to obtain your primary care. I will be interviewing my wife, Dr. Lydia Dennis, who has her own direct primary care practice. I hope you will listen to this and be enlightened. Even if you're not in Oklahoma, I hope you will reach out and try and find a direct primary care physician close to you as this is a much better way to get your primary care. Also, stick around to the end of the show and I will be making a big announcement. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, fitness, prevention, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. And as you know, this podcast is all about health and wellness. And so today I wanted to introduce kind of a new concept in healthcare. Because if you're going to your doctor in corporate medicine, your doctor is probably spending five minutes with you. And I can say that because I'm in that system right now. And so I don't know that that, you know, bodes well for your overall health and wellness. And so today we're going to talk to you about another option that's out there to where you can spend more time with your doctor and have time to discuss your health concerns. I looked far and wide for the perfect guest for this show. Uh, I found many that were smart but they weren't pretty enough. So after a long search, I found the perfect person in my living room. She is the perfect balance of beauty and brains. So welcome, Dr. Lydia, as her patients call her. Thank you, babe. All right. So we're going to talk today again about a concept called direct primary care. So before we get into that, just tell me about your background, just kind of how you got into medicine. Um, I graduated with a uh, degree in biochemistry, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do um, research or if I wanted to go on to medical school. And so I did a year research in a DNA lab, and I realized that I wanted to be around people. And so uh, I was recruited to osteopathic school with by a man named Dr. Pace, um, and uh, went into osteopathic school because I valued holistic care. I was very intentional about wanting to be a DO. And so we met in medical school. Right. And then we went to residency. Yep. In Wichita. Went to a great residency. We're both family practice trained. So we graduated residency, started as most doctors do, kind of with a big corporate group. Right. Correct. Okay. So you did that for... 12 years. And at some point, you just kind of start wanting something different. So just kind of walk us through that journey and and why you started looking for something different. I was a pretty atypical family doctor to begin with because you and I job shared to begin with. So I, I wanted to stay at home. It was our values that I would stay home with our children. And so I worked very, very part-time, really job sharing with you, Greg, um, on the day that you were delivering babies, especially in the beginning, I was covering clinic. And then that 
uh, broke away into pretty much my own practice where my patients knew that I was just going to be there one day a week. And the luxury of that was that uh, most of those were wellness visits anyway. Uh, Those were mostly women because I was the only woman in our group at that time. And uh, those appointments were much longer. And um, what changed was our children grew up and I decided that I wanted to work more, uh, even though you cautioned me that that probably wouldn't play out the way I wanted it to, but I did. All I did was I extended my time uh, from one day, one full day a week to three, three quarter day weeks. Uh, or days a week. And the paperwork and the phone calls and the emails, I mean, it just came like an avalanche. And then there's that unspoken pressure to just be more productive. And um, my situation didn't lend itself for our corporate group to give me a PA or any kind of an extender to make myself a full-time practice. And um <clears throat> I just felt like if I'm going to work full time, I'm going to work for myself. I've always thought that. And uh, because my time is too precious to give away to a corporation where they wanted to squeeze me into the 15 minute visit and see as many people as I could. And I wasn't going to practice that way. So how do you feel like that style of practice um, hinders, you know, you being able to take care of, of patients optimally? Because it takes time. Nobody, nobody likes that, but it's, it's the truth. I mean, to make a lifestyle change takes a lot of A, education, uh, B, it takes a lot of handholding to get people started and to get them rolling on it. It takes a lot of encouragement because you've got to make people see the achievements You've got to make the effort, uh, and they've got to make the effort, and you've got to come together and really work in a partnership, and there's no time for that in a 15-minute visit. There's just not. But isn't all you have to do, write them a couple prescriptions and get them out the door? Well, Greg, there's a difference (laughs) between being treated and being well. And I have never been in the business of treating people. I have been in the business of making people well. And, you know, stupid me got into medicine to help people. I'm not helping people by being a pill pusher. I'm not helping people by adding more pills to cover up the side effects of other pills. I'm not, that's not helping people. And I was in it long enough to realize that I was no longer helping people and that I was part of the problem. Yeah, and hopefully uh, people sensed my sarcasm there and if you've been listening to my, to my podcast uh, for any length of time, you know that I believe, and my wife does as well, that we you know, really go about treating people the wrong way. That if we can spend time with people, talk to them about nutrition and different things, then you, know, you don't have to give them medicine in a lot of cases. All right, so you started looking for something different. And how did you learn? So you found this something called direct primary care. How did you find that? Well, Greg, you actually told me about direct primary care because uh, Dr. Kyle Regner was doing that right down the street. And he goes, you know, you said to me, you should look into what Kyle's doing. And so that's exactly what I did. I started listening to podcasts. I started reading articles and then went to go meet with Kyle Regner and Robert Lockwood and pick their brain. And then they introduced me to Jeff Davenport. And so I did my homework and um, and started formulating a plan on how I could open my own cash-based practice and divorce myself from Medicare, Medicaid, and all the insurance companies that were keeping me from taking care of my patients. Okay, so define for us what is this 
kind of new health care that they call direct primary care. We call it DPC. What exactly is that? Direct primary care is not new. It's actually the way doctors always practice medicine. You know, doctors used to barter uh, for services rendered back here in Oklahoma when we were a pioneering uh, territory. Um, and doctors lived off of cash before we sold out to insurance companies. And so it's a return to our roots, really, where we um, just accept cash. I don't contract with any insurance companies. I, I uh, remove myself from the Medicare role, and I no longer take those patients. Uh, I don't take Medicaid. Um, it works very much like a gym membership, and that uh, ensures that I get paid for every patient encounter. Most of my day actually, I mean, I see patients face-to-face from 830 to 3 every day, but uh, a lot of the work that I do in between that is taking care of patients over the phone and fielding all those emails and phone calls and refills and reading reports and whatever. I get compensated for that now instead of depending on you having to come in and see me to get my piddly $35 per RVU. So, um, that that's really it and then the other benefit to dpc compared to just the traditional cash based practice is that it's there's built-in value for the patient to choose us because we take out the middleman from the pharmacy we take out the middleman from the laboratory because patients don't understand and maybe they do every every item whether it's the doctor visit whether it's the x-ray whether it's the lab whether it's the medicine all of it has a built-in uh, markup so that there's profit there for whatever organization is peddling that. And what we've done in direct primary care is to negotiate out the, I mean, we are willing to sell you stuff at cost for in exchange for you to give us a monthly membership fee and for us to pledge to have a small practice so that we can dedicate ourselves to our small number of patients. And, uh, and that's really the difference with direct primary care in a modern sense compared to um, maybe just old traditional medicine. Okay, so patients pay you a monthly fee like a gym membership. And so with that, how many times can they come to the doctor? As many times as they need to. And they can contact you as often as they need to. Correct. By text or whatever. Right. That's the, our patients love the fact that we um, use a HIPAA compliant texting service and they have 24-7 access to me. So if I'm a patient and I have a rash, I could take a picture of that rash and send it to you. Precisely. And I may not even need to come in to the office. Right. We were doing telemedicine visits before the big boxes ever were able to make it HIPAA compliant. Yes. And what if I say I want to come in for a physical? That'd be extra, right? No, no, no. That's included. That's part of the membership. Right. That's part of the membership is an annual physical exam. And uh, in any kind of urgent care visits, Um, We'll talk later about patients who have benefited from the DPC model because I'm your urgent care, I'm your primary care, um, and I'm your triage, hopefully, for the emergency department to know whether you need to utilize those services or not. So it sounds like something like that, to have 24-7 access to the doctor, would cost a lot of money. It What's an average price? Uh, my charge right now is $79 for an adult, and for a child, it's $19 a month if they have a parent member. Wow. So what if I'm a patient and I come in and 
I need blood work. Uh, is that going to be expensive? Uh, you know, Greg, you and I have done, uh, I, I remember thinking about all the lab work that I drummed up for the hospital groups that I worked for and receiving those uh, billing statements myself from insurance about how much was charged. I mean, we do a lot of hormone therapy and you know, as well as I do just a piddly hormone panel of four tests is like eight or $900. That same panel in my office is $35. So it's, is a humongous markup. Even if you were to go to the laboratory as a cash pay patient, they're going to mark that up multiple times uh, to create profit for themselves. Uh, but that's part of the membership. It's just kind of like uh, another perk to being a member of Vibrant Life Direct Care. So I guess that comes back to the name direct primary care because you're. it sounds like you're taking out all the middle people. As that, many as we can, yes. And it's just you and the patient basically right i do not have to jump through a hoop to see whether you need that ct or that mri i i just tell you how much it costs and you determine whether you want to go get it done or not um that's the beauty of direct primary care i don't i don't have to ever play mother may i with the insurance company uh and they bank on the fact that i'm don't have enough time to play mother may i you know i quit checking out to an attending when i was a you know second year resident. I, I, don't, I don't need mother may I. That's why I became a board certified family medicine physician. I don't need to ask permission to order tests that I know that my patient needs. Um, so that's the beauty of it. it. There's a lot of speed sometimes in what we do um, in direct primary care compared to trying to get things with a prior authorization that we would have waited weeks from insurance to get. Uh, I'll even say that patient assistant programs uh, from drug companies are not that hard uh, to navigate when you don't have uh, all the bureaucracy of a corporate organization have to mess around with. So speaking of insurance, do do most people have traditional insurance that come see you or what, what is your panel like? My panel is a, uh, it's a mix. I'd say about 20% of my patients have some kind of high deductible insurance. I've got about a dozen patients who are, who are Medicare that they save enough money uh, from me on just drug costs that it pays for their membership every month. Uh, I know in particular one or two patients that on just one drug, I save them enough money per month that it pays for their membership. Um, so I encourage everyone to get insurance uh, because you never know when a catastrophe is going to happen and you need emergency surgery or, you know, you've been in a car accident or uh, you develop cancer or something catastrophic like a heart attack. I mean, that's why we all should carry some kind of high deductible insurance. But I will say that a lot of my patients own their own small business. Uh, I have a couple that are in a health sharing ministry. Uh, but by and large, my patients are uh, either underinsured or uninsured altogether. So that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask was uh, small businesses. So you ha- you do have some small businesses. How can this model benefit uh, a small business for their employees? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, most <laughs> the biggest employer of people in the United States is small business. Um, and under other administrations where they're you know, was a requirement that you provide health insurance uh, for your employees under Obamacare. I mean, that's that almost uh, tanked a lot of businesses because they're just not big enough to negotiate a good price on uh, a group coverage. And so 
most employers are also pretty benevolent. They would like to offer something uh, like at least physician services uh, to their employees. And so that's what we're able to come in and fill the void with. I mean, you are able to give your uh, employees 24-7 access to a physician anytime they need you, including telemedicine visits, including discounts. So it it helps the employees' bottom line, too, that they're not out a bunch of money trying to just get something simple like a UTI taken care of or a well-woman exam taken care of. Um, so we offer reduced rates to incentivize um, employers to join, and uh, so that brings the per-person cost down uh, to $69 a month at my practice and even lower at other practices but it's a benefit that's a real value that you can say, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of this portion of your health. I'm giving you a physician. And it's not just a big box doctor who you get somebody different every time you go. You get your own personal doctor that knows you and can even enroll your other family members uh, if they so choose. So what is the difference in direct primary care and like VIP medicine or concierge medicine? Uh, in our country, at least, though VIP and, and the idea of a concierge physician are more kind of a glorified uh, physical exam uh, and really not what you and I understand primary care, the full breadth of primary care to be. Um, I'm not... I'm not a uh, executive physician. I don't go to executive offices and do a well woman exam. That's not what I do. Uh, but I do do a very comprehensive physical exam. And uh, but that to answer your question, very much my practice looks very similar in regard to the the breadth of the services that I offer my patients. I do I do everything that I was doing plus some um, when I practiced. Um, corporate medicine as far as procedures doing in-office labs um, and in treating acute conditions as well as chronic conditions I don't just do a glorified physical exam and send you along your way so let's contrast a minute uh, corporate medicine which is what I do to DPC which is what you do so I'm gonna ask what a typical um, size panel is in your practice and I'll contrast that by mine where I will say I have almost 4,000 patients under my name right now so how many patients is in a typical DPC prep? Uh, most people will start with a cap at 500 um, to see what that feels like there's a, there are ones in our uh, region that take up to 800 patients I think it depends on the physician you know at what comfort level they want to um, they feel like they can take care of their patients and still do an adequate job and keep to the tenants of DPC and so on that what does a typical day for you look like and I'll just say briefly a typical day for me I see 20 plus patients so obviously with that there's not a lot of time being spent with patients. So what does your typical day look like? So my typical day, uh, I've arranged around my children still. So if I wanted to drop them off at school, I, I can. I start at 830 and I see my last one at 230 so that I can be home by the time our kids get off the bus at four. So uh, and I work through lunch so that I could get that done. And I decided when I went into practice for myself that I was going to be like a dental office and I was going to do me a half day on Friday. So I only worked till noon on Friday. 
<laughs> and um, so a busy day for me, I mean, a full day for me typically is about seven or eight patients. Uh, a super busy day for me would be a dozen. And that's working 8.30 to 2.30 through lunch. And those are typically 30-minute appointment minimum. And by talking to you, it does, I mean, you're usually not rushed with patients. Heavens, no. Which goes with what you do because you, like me, even though I don't have as much time to spend with patients, you understand the importance of nutrition and, and treating obesity and treating the root cause and, and all this stuff, which, like we said at the start, takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, what's the beauty of DPC is that about the same time I started my DPC practice, I had been dabbling in and learning about ketogenic diet. And so I decided to offer that to my patients. And in the course of the last year and a half, I've really ironed it out to be a pretty, um, a plan. So I know what I'm going to do at this visit, that visit, and I have it lined out for the first nine months that that patient is doing ketogenic diet. And I never would have been able to, to develop that in a corporate uh, setting because there's no incentive for that. Um, and patients aren't going to pay a $25 copay every time or, or more to come in and get counseling on ketogenic diet. They're just not going to. That's not what is... Um, that's not understood to be part of that of that entire world there. So pa- patients understand going to a weight loss clinic and having a package deal to pay, uh, but it lent itself a whole lot easier to a direct primary care uh, style of practice where patients, you know, understand that they're paying a monthly fee and it's kind of like going to a weight loss clinic except for I can take care of everything. I can help you come off your blood pressure pills. I can help you come off your diabetes medicine. I mean, I'm qualified to do that. If you develop a UTI in the meantime, I can take care of that. If you hadn't had your well woman exam in 10 years, I can update you on that. I mean, that's the the beauty of uh, full scope family practice and a direct primary care practice there's no barriers so with that in mind give us an example of a patient that you feel like just really benefited from this model um i mean there's lots of cases that kind of jump out of my mind but here's a good example i had a family involved in a motorcycle accident on a saturday we were riding around with our kids on bicycles and i got a text saying hey Uh, give me a call and a teenager had hit a bump in the road and flipped over a motorcycle and dad jumped off his and they had road rash and needed first aid basically and this was saturday afternoon about i think three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon and you know those people um those people would have been going to the emergency department but i said just meet me up at the at the clinic and I administered first aid and gave my assessment of uh, what everybody should do and saved them saved at least dad a trip to the ER and the, the teenager ended up going back later and ended up having a ruptured spleen but it was mild enough to be treated uh, at a one overnight stay in the hospital uh, but I was able to direct them to Oklahoma ER and hospital where they paid a fraction of what they would have at a big box ER anyway. Uh, I had two acute appies and people who were completely uninsured last year. Had I not been their doctor and told them where to go and been able to get them directly admitted, they would have been treated like everybody else in this town. They go through the ER uh, and the ER is who admits you. And so 
those people saved a lot of money, even though they had to pay out of pocket for it. Uh, some qualified for charity through the hospitals that admitted them. But uh, a good example is the first appy I had. I saw her at 10 in the morning. She was walking out of the hospital after her surgery at 7 p.m. I mean, that just doesn't, I had never had that happen in private practice before where I could expedite somebody's care that fast because I didn't have to mess with the traditional ER where she would have waited two hours just to be seen and then another two hours to get a hold of the surgeon and God knows when to get the surgery scheduled. I mean, it just happened so fast. She was walking out of the hospital at 7 p.m. It was unreal. So tell us the example I think you've told me before, and I think this was on a Saturday as well, about a, a, a patient that, that had strep throat. Right. So that would be a typical, if you, they had called you, you would have said, go to the urgent care, right? Mm-hmm. So I am the urgent care. So I said, hey, uh, meet me up at my office. Did the strep test, gave her 10 days worth of penicillin. I think it cost her a grand total of $5. For the, the test. For and the, the test and the medicine. And everything. Exactly. That's great. So what's the biggest roadblock for patients? Because this is obviously, this this style of practice is good for doctors. It's good for patients. Uh, it's really an answer to our healthcare crisis, if you ask me. So what's the biggest roadblock of, of patients just coming over to this model? It seems like when I've explained it to patients, you know, that it's just hard for them to grasp this. I think... In my opinion, it's hard to rip people away from the teat of insurance is going to give me everything. Just like it's hard to rip physicians away from the teat that insurance is going to give me everything. Insurance gives me patients. I don't have to go out there and hunt down patients if I'm an insurance providing or Medicare providing doctor. I get on the roll and they find and they they just look me up. Um, likewise, patients, when they buy a product called insurance, what, instead of it being that catastrophic coverage that we understand it to be for our car, we've trained them in America that insurance should pay for everything and, uh, and that I can't get anything done unless I, I have insurance. It's helping patients realize what they had 35 years ago, which is I can go get whatever I want to get done as long as I can afford it and as long as I can have somebody order it for me. And that's the beauty of DPC. People who used to not be able to get an MRI get an MRI. People who used to not be able to get a well woman exam get a well woman exam. People who used to not be able to get hormone replacement therapy can have hormone replacement therapy. People who used to not be able to be seen in an urgent care can now have a doctor that takes care of them and they are more likely to get things taken care of. Uh, whereas they would have just let it ride in the past and suffered. So I think it's training and conditioning that we've done in our healthcare system that insurance is the middleman that we all have to go through, both doctors to get patients and to get anything done and patients to get anything done. And so as soon as people get the blinders off, that that's not the only way to skin this cat in healthcare is that if you've got cash, we still have a capitalistic society and there's still plenty of specialists, surgeons, surgery centers, laboratories, imaging places, and primary care physicians that take cash and will take an excellent 
take excellent care of you, maybe even better care of you, because we don't have to play mother may I all the time with the insurance company. Well, very good. Um, So somebody can come see you for their primary care doctor. They can get hormones through you. You have a weight loss program they can do through you. And, And they get holistic care. Okay, so tell us how can patients find you? So uh, you can find me on my website at uh, VibrantLifeDC.com. You can call me at my office at 405-376-1381. Or you can stop by our office in Mustang, Oklahoma. Great. Well, so I ask all my guests that if you could leave us with one health tip. So just one thing that the listeners can do today to make them healthier what would you say? Entertain switching to a ketogenic diet. Okay. At least think about it. Okay. And if this is your first podcast that you're listening to, um, one of my very first episodes was about how to lose weight. Actually, I broke it up into two episodes. And so if you want to know more about that, you can go back and listen to that podcast. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Dr. Lydia. Thanks for having me, babe. And I mentioned at the start of this that I had a big announcement. And so here's my big announcement that uh, Lydia was so convincing that I am leaving corporate medicine and I am joining her at Vibrant Life. And as I've mentioned, I am very much into making people healthier and I feel like I can do a better job at that in a setting in a direct primary care practice like what we've been talking about. So um, if you are my patient, you hopefully have heard this by now. If this is the first time hearing this, then surprise. I will be starting at Vibrant Life uh, February 1st, 2021. 2021. And I am only taking um, 500 people right now. So if you are interested in following me, then go to Vibrant Life dc.com and the phone number's on there call is probably the easiest way and just tell them you want to be you know a patient of mine and then we will get you on the panel you will not start being charged until february 1st but we'll get your name on the list so uh, just in case i fill up thank you again lydia i'm excited about uh, our future in uh, at vibrant life i can't wait that's been my goal the whole time okay All right, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com. This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk.